Cincinnati jersey all on the block. We get it in. I'm in my Cincinnati house. Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, you already know it is a great day to be a Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Gardens fan. That's right, folks. This is not your run-of-the-mill Cincy Slang and Bearcat Basketball Podcast because today we're joined by Sarah Swanson, team leader for the Interpretive Collection at the Cincinnati Zoo, to talk about Bearcats. Before we get into it, Hummer, thank you to Sarah Swanson for giving up time out of her busy schedule to indulge us about a species that we all know and love. Also, thank you to Michelle Curley, thank you to Aaron O'Brien, and thank you to Angela Hackey, all employees of the zoo who worked magic to help get this interview set up, and we really appreciate all of you. Hummer, this conversation is fascinating. We learn about Lucy, her retirement, Lucille, getting ready to become a mascot ambassador for the University of Cincinnati, We also learn about bearcats as a species. How do they act in the wild? What do they eat? How humans are actually destroying their environment. But then we get into what we can do to help protect that environment so that we can enjoy bearcats for years and years to come. One of the things we learned through this experience is that the bearcat is a threatened species. The Cincinnati Zoo provided us ways that we as Bearcat fans can help this species thrive and survive in the wild. One of that is through your support of the rhinos protection units in Sumatra's national parks. They help to safeguard all the wildlife species that call those forests home, including our beloved Bearcats. And let's face it, Hummer. Anybody who watched the Cincinnati Bearcat football team play last year knows Bearcats need protection now more than ever. Wow. Yeah, not my best effort. We will post a link to that organization in our show notes. Check it out. Support how you can. Let's find a way to protect this habitat. In addition to that, consider joining the Cincinnati Zoo as a member. In my opinion, it's one of the premier family-oriented places in the city of Cincinnati. Wonderful way to spend a weekend. Tons of great exhibits. You'll actually hear about some of them during our interview today. There's some new attractions. There's things you'll see at the zoo based on how they set up these exhibits that you you simply won't find anywhere else. Can't recommend the Cincinnati Zoo highly enough. But Hummer, I think it's that time. Now, without further ado, Sarah Swanson. We are now joined by Sarah Swanson, the team leader for the Interpretive Collection at the Cincinnati Zoo. Sarah, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Thank you for having me. Did you ever expect that you would be joining a basketball podcast uh, to have a nice conversation on, on Bearcats? No, this, all this media attention with uh, our Bearcat is all new to my team. Well, it is extremely cute, and people have lots of questions, including Hummer and myself, and we look forward to diving into those with you now. But before we do that, do you mind telling us a little bit about your experience, maybe as a zookeeper with the Cincinnati Zoo, and you know anything beyond that? 
Sure. I've worked at the Cincinnati Zoo for the past 20 years. Um, I started off in education programming and have kind of made my way around the zoo. I had done um, the ambassador collection early on, and then I worked with large hoof stock, moved over to the animal commissary, and then back to ambassador animals. And we've kind of built up our department over the last several years. Uh, we have about um, 175 to 200 animals at any one time within our just our ambassador group. And um, it's been really great. It's my favorite. We love to spend time with our animals. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a great, it seems just like a, a fun day-to-day -day career. The kind of place, like I go to the zoo frequently with my kids and you're always thinking this would just be an amazing place to spend your days and spending it with animals, raising them in your case with the Bearcat because uh, I think she did come to the zoo at three months old. Um, do you kind of, I see the Cincinnati Zoo recognized regularly as one of the best in the country. Mm -hmm. why, why does it get that kind of recognition? You know, what separates it from other zoos across the country? Well, I think there's a lot of things that uh, separate us from other zoos. Uh, we have really strong education programming. We have a strong leadership in the AZA community. We uh, have been successfully breeding lots of exotic animals for many years. And um, most recently, in the last few years, we've become leaders of the sustainability movement and have worked really hard towards um, making our zoo as sustainable as possible and working towards the future with our neighborhood. Yeah, one of my favorite things with the city, so I live in Philadelphia. I do not live in Cincinnati. I'm from Cincinnati originally, so lots of experience with the zoo. So my interaction is from afar through Instagram, through Twitter, through news stories. I've got the chance to unfortunately watch Fiona from afar because she looks absolutely adorable. And then you guys have a new rhino. So we always get to see everything from afar and it's fantastic. And one of the other questions that we had, you know, when it, it comes to see Cincinnati, you know, Lucille, Lucy, her, her predecessor started in 2008. What, what is the connection? Where was the partnership between the University of Cincinnati and the zoo? Like, how far back does that go? How deep are the connections? Um, I, I, I'm not sure of the exact number of years that it goes back, but I know it's been beyond Lucy, our most recent uh, mascot ambassador, Bearcat. Um, she was the mascot for 12 years. And before that, there was another one, um, which was, I think, before my big involvement in this kind of thing. So um, it's been quite a few years. The zoo's always been very connected with the University of Cincinnati. We are neighbors, and we're all part of like the Uptown Consortium and all kinds of other groups. And I know that uh, we're always looking for ways to support each other. They are able to have real live mascot, a bear cat that seems to be this fictional animal that's actually real. And we're able to help convey all that knowledge uh, of, that we have about these wonderful creatures and uh, the world they're living in and, and how people can help them. Right. And, and so one of the things we really wanted to dive into 
on this podcast, and I might be jumping a little bit ahead, Hummer, but let's just go ahead and do it. I wanted to, we'll jump into learning about the bearcat itself as a species. So can well, you? Uh, I wanted to quickly touch on though. You did mention it a fi- a fictional a fictional mascot, yeah. and we we actually were talking about this when we first started this podcast. Like, where is the history of the bearcat come from? And it's kind of a coincidence that it became the bear cat. It's actually a, a Teddy. The guy, it was a running back. I think it was in like 1909. His name was Teddy <laughs> Bear, B-A-E-H-R. And okay. it was a, it was like a nod or a, a punch to a, a wild cat for UK. So they called them the bear cats. And it's just, so it was kind of a coincidence and people do think it's made up, but it is the, in my opinion, my humble opinion, the greatest of mascots. Lucy was always my favorite. I'm excited to finally meet Lucille at some point. Uh, but yes, Coomer, let's get into it. I did see the Bearcat itself also has another name, and I'm, I'm going to try and say it. You can correct me. The Binturong? That's correct. Okay, so the Binturong. Is, is the Binturong known as a Bearcat outside of the United States, or is this particular to the USA in terms of what we call it? Well, as you said a bear cat is a, na- a made up word and and often a bear cat might in other countries might refer to like a red panda or some other type of animal um and it, it a binturong uh can be known as a bear cat around the world but more than likely in its native uh southeast asia it is referred to as a binturong not a bear cat and so in terms of uh just some of the, the fun facts about about binturongs or bear cats. Where where do they? Where can you find them? So if you're going to travel to go look at them in the wild, where would you see a binturong? Well, in fact, it would be very difficult to see one. Um, they are from Southeast Asia and uh, different um, islands in Malaysia. So. They are really elusive animals. They can be nocturnal or diurnal, but they're primarily nocturnal. So they're active at night and they're really high up in the trees. So they're rarely seen um, by people, by tourists or others. Um, So they're pretty elusive creatures. And probably that helps build that mystery around them being almost a fictional type of animal right and they definitely have i i find sometimes the zoo posts a lot of great videos and photos to instagram and oftentimes it'll be of the new baby bear cat lucille mm-hmm. there's some that are extremely cute and you're like this is one of the cutest animals i've ever seen and then there's some where you're thinking this does have a bit of a rodent vibe to it uh it, it kind <laughs> of i guess it depends on the angle um what kind of Food, like what's the typical food of a bear cat? I saw they're listed as a carnivore, but I think they also take in other foods as well. Yeah, so they're in the fam- the vivarid family. Uh, so they are not related to cats or bears at all. They're most closely related to civets and mongoose, and their own they're their own kind of weird animal. Uh, they. Uh, are actually omnivores, so they will eat meat and other proteins. If it, if they come across it, they'll eat carrion. They'll eat eggs. They'll hunt small rodents and birds and things like that. But uh, they'll also eat a lot of fruit, um, foliage, and flowers if it's the kind that they like. So how would you? How does the zoo try and incorporate meat into the into Lucille's diet? 
Sure. So right now, Lucille uh, is still growing. She's only about half grown and she's on a mix of um, like a canned primate diet that has um, uh, like complete nutrients in it and then a puppy chow. And then she gets a bunch of different fruits and vegetables. Uh, she also eats hard boiled egg is her favorite right now. Just that favorite. Sounds more delicious than my diet. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't like hard boiled eggs, right? So that you're saying that's her favorite food period point blank over fruit, over anything like that. She's, she's all about the hard boiled eggs. Oh yeah. Wow. Hard boiled eggs are number one. I think banana is number two. Yeah. She loves it. In the wild, what would a bear cat like what kind of small animals or protein would a bear cat typically feast on? Yeah, if they found um, any sort of dead animal, they would definitely be interested in it. Um, if they were able to capture a small bird or rodent or something like that, um, they will come to the ground, uh, but they're very agile up in the trees. They have a prehensile tail that they use to help uh, move quickly. They can't, uh, they can jump, but they can't span large distances like uh, monkeys. So they will have to come to the ground sometimes to travel to the next tree. Uh, but they really will um, go after something if they have the opportunity. They like to pounce on things. That's Lucille's favorite thing to do. When she gets warmed up, she pounces on everybody and everything, and it's just nonstop play to her. When they come down from the trees and hit the ground, is I would assume that's probably when they're at their most vulnerable? For sure. Uh, their feet, they actually are, um, they're most vulnerable to humans. We're the ones that are uh, destroying their habitat, and we are... Um, People hunt them for bushmeat or for the exotic pet trade and animal trade, Particu particularly the Palawan binturong, which is what Lucille is. Lucy is the species of binturong, and the Palawan is a subspecies, and it's a little smaller. So the Palawan's being smaller, as with a lot of smaller animal, exotic animals, people are drawn to them and think that they can keep them as pets. And so a lot of them are captured for the illegal pet trade. Wow. I thought I, I kind of knew that logging and industries like that were doing immense damage to the, the forests and jungle. Is it a forest or a jungle they reside in? More of a jungle? I think you could call it either. Yeah. Either one. I thought that was what was primarily jeopardizing them, but it sounds, I, I had no idea that the pet trade was part of this. That's, that's awful. Yeah. Sadly, the illegal animal trade around the world is, is causing a lot of species to suffer. Do they have any natural predators in the jungle? Uh, who would be that natural predator if so? Yeah, they don't have a lot. They don't have a lot of natural predators. They're almost, they're kind of at the top where they live and humans are the ones who are causing their demise. I think I read a figure recently that their numbers are down 30% in the last uh, 20 or 30 years. So it's like a lot of animals just trying to save those wild places is what we're going 
how we're going to be able to save the animals. Yeah, if there's a community that cares about the conservation of bear cats and binturongs across the world, it would be this one. So do you know of any organizations that specifically focus on conservation of bear cats in the wild? Um, I am not familiar with anyone in particular, but I know that there are, <laughs> right. there's the most, uh, champion out there for every animal species. And, uh, I know there's a lot of great, uh, rescue and, re and release organizations in Southeast Asia that work with lots of different species. And I'm sure there's some specific to the Bentrong. Yeah, that was going to kind of be my next question. Knowing the bear cat's habitat, the other animals that live in there, in that particular habitat, is there kind of like one more of like a generalist too, that if people are listening to this, they're feeling that they want to be able to help. Is there one that you might recommend that it kind of not just encompasses the bear cats, but many other animals as well? Um, I don't, I think they're, I think bear cats are found up and through Vietnam and there's um, Save Vietnam wildlife or save Vietnam, something like that. Um, they've been doing a lot of work and I've seen them, uh, on social media a lot lately with, especially with, um, uh, pangolins. Pangolins are like the number one animal trafficked animal that's trafficked in the world. Well, we'll make sure, you know, so we're going to get with you guys after this as well with a Angela in the background. And we'll we'll pull up a couple of links that we can maybe put in the show notes, and awesome. um, and just so we can share with folks how they could potentially help and and save and protect these animals in the wild. Yeah, sorry, I don't have anything more specific. No, that's that's completely uh, fine. It's okay. Within the U.S., how many how many zoos have have bear cats? Uh, not many. They're um they're pretty popular in the private sector, um, and people will breed them for various reasons. And in the U.S., uh, the most common ones are the larger, the general species that Lucy is, and the Palawans are just kind of coming into zoos. Uh, Lucille was uh, bred in uh, human care at the Nashville Zoo and then came to us. So Lucy and Lucille then are not blood-related. Correct. Okay. <laughs> well, I am curious. That's a great, I guess, way to transition into Lucille specifically and, and Lucy as well. When you have a, a bear cat that's born in, in the Nashville Zoo and you bring her to this new zoo, this new environment, how, how do you go about, I guess, transitioning to her to just a new environment in general, but then also being around a bear cat that's full grown and that she hasn't, that have no actual genetic connection do you have to be careful in that regard? Is there, are there any precautions you take? How does the zoo approach that? Sure. So Lucille, just um, to take a step back, when she was born at the Nashville Zoo, her mom could not care for her. So that is why she was pulled and hand-reared. Otherwise, they would have let her stay with her mom. Uh, and so then once an animal like that is pulled and hand-reared, Sometimes it's difficult to reintroduce, sometimes it's not, but it was an opportunity for this animal to uh, have an amazing life as an ambassador. So when she came here, we had already, Lucy had already retired herself, and that was Lucy's choice. And um, 
We know that she wanted to retire because she chose just not to participate in programs anymore with her handler. And that's fine. All of our animals have the choice to participate or not. And if they choose not to, that's okay with us. We'll figure out maybe what it is that we could help them along with to want to participate. But in Lucy's case, she's an older animal. Uh, they live into their mid to late teens. And that's right where she's at. And we thought this is a perfect time to let her go ahead and retire and live the good life, even better life than she's already living and, um, and start fresh with a new ambassador. And so that's when Lucille came and she came here when she was four weeks old and she has never interacted with Lucy and she probably never will. Okay. Um, they Lucy, Lucy, uh, is an amazing animal, but, uh, she's worked what we call protected contact. Her handler, um, is in a different department now and we don't, uh, I've never, had her on my shoulders or anything like that. So she is shifted and moves from one habitat to another and all that. Whereas Lucille, we've been hands-on with from the very first day, feeding, cleaning, spending gobs of time with her so that we could all bond and she could see us as part of her family unit. Uh, she would have grown up with a mom and one or two other siblings and had that special bond with her family unit. So we had to recreate that here. Would those siblings have, would they have all been like born at the same time? Are they, do they stagger their birth throughout life? Is there like a certain number that are born? I guess I know they're not cats, so I don't want to use the word litter, but for, for me being a lay person, a litter. That's yeah. That's the word we use as well. Okay. Yes, she was part of a litter. Yeah. Did Lucille have siblings? She did. I think she had one other sibling. Okay. Is that did that sibling remain in Nashville, or are they? Did they get to go to? A, are they going to another zoo to participate in any kind of ambassador program? Um, I'm not certain. I believe it probably did go to another zoo, but I'm I I'm not positive. So you're getting to do a lot of handling. You know, you're working with Lucille, it sounds like, on a daily basis. Are bearcats naturally cuddly? Are they friendly? I know, <laughs> you know, as she gets bigger, I'm sure the claws are pretty substantial at this point. So how careful, yeah. how do you navigate around those things uh, prying into your neck? Yeah. So when she first arrived, uh, she was so small. She only weighed about 500 grams. Um, and... She, which was perfect. I mean, she was right size and everything. Uh, and since as she weighs um, over five thousand grams now, so she weighs over. She weighs around twelve pounds, and uh, she'll get to be anywhere between. We're hoping between twenty and thirty pounds. Um, but when they're small, yeah, of course she was relying on us. She wanted to be with us. She would, um, sleep on us and things like that. But she has been her own personality from the very beginning. And it's been amazing to see her grow into it. Um, from the very beginning, she would choose to come and sit with us or sit in our laps or whatever it was while we were in our bonding phase but every time we attempted to 
um, ask her to come to us or pet her back or offer any affection, she said, no, thank you. And so she's from the very beginning been very sassy and independent and confident. She amazes us every day. Confidence, independence, you know, having relationships on their own terms. This sounds a lot like Jaron Cumberland, Hummer. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Lucille might be Jaron Cumberland's spirit animal. Uh, he's a player for the Bearcats. Sarah, sorry for uh, cracking an inside <laughs> basketball joke there. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on knowing really <laughs> soon. Well, that's that's actually a good question. Now, Lucille has not been on campus yet. Has the team been to the zoo to meet Lucille yet? Well, uh, when Lucille made her debut at the zoo, there were some um, UC representatives. I'm not sure if it was team members. I think there were cheerleaders and things like that here, um, or people like that. And uh, Lucille has actually visited campus um, several times now in an unofficial capacity as we uh, get her ready to do a larger appearance at the games. Um, this is really important to us as ambassador animal professionals and, and zookeepers that we prepare our animals for success. And we never want them to experience um, stress due to anything we've forced or anything like that, our learned helplessness, any sort of bad vibe. We want them to really enjoy, want to come out, want to go to UC and see all the fans. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing all of these introductions at UC really incrementally and uh, really planned and specific. So we would just go over, let her smell the arena, kind of get the lay of the land. And then I think we went over and she um, came out of her uh, travel carrier and she saw some of the, um, let's see, we, oh, some folks were just shooting around on the courts. She got to hear that. And then we went to a women's practice. And so she got to experience a lot of their movement, the shouting, the buzzer going off, the basketball hitting the rim and all that. And um, this past week we went, or this, this week we went on Monday and they ran this, all the scoreboards and uh, played the music and, and the sound system at full blast. And she did amazing. Didn't even bother looking around. She was great. And then yesterday we took her to a marching band practice so she could get that sound and that fullness and, and, I don't think we're ever going to be able to fully prepare her for like a crosstown shootout kind of a game. Right. Um, but we don't want her, we don't want anything in particular to be just an enormous surprise to her if we can possibly help it. So this kind of answers the question though, about, I was curious how you transition an animal to becoming a mascot ambassador. And so it really is just incrementally making steps, you know, increasing sound, increasing number of people, uh, over and over and over again, and making sure, I guess, that the animal isn't showing apprehension about the whole thing. So if Lucille decided that, hey, I hate this, what happens at that point from the zoo's perspective? 
well, we would leave. Yeah. <laughs> we would head home and and rethink what what had happened that we could do do better next time. So we are the ones in charge of the environment around her. Mm-hmm. And when she is nervous, she retreats to us or she retreats to her travel carrier. And um, we've been pairing positive uh, food rewards with all each step of the way. So she gets her hard boiled egg and her banana and she had peanut butter yesterday. And she gets all these really positive food rewards, uh, which is a primary reinforcer for training. And hopefully she'll begin to associate all these loud, obnoxious noises (laughs) with something positive. So it doesn't feel so obnoxious to her that it just seems like, oh, this is what I do. Right. I I don't think they have marching bands in the the forest of Vietnam, uh, but she'll get used to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do they stay? So when, when they're in captivity like this and they have all these activities they might do during, uh, I guess, daylight hours, do they remain nocturnal animals uh, while in cap- captivity? Or, you know, when does she find herself sleeping then most of the time? Yeah. So while she's been in, for Lucille in particular, it depends on each animal. When they're in human care, it is just dependent on the species and sometimes the individual. Like... Uh, Lucy is still in our area. We still take care of her and she's active, um, at night more and she'll sleep most of the day. Whereas Lucille, who is still young and trying to, um, bond with her family unit, which is us, her handlers, uh, she's usually awake more during the day and sleeps at night because there's, we're not around at night anymore. We used to be around at night for a long time. Um, and just recently have started, uh, bringing it back to like a normal schedule for us. And so she's, she's very active during the day. So Lucy sounds like a normal college student sleeping in, staying up late, partying at night. And Lucille's still like, you know, She's under 18, so she's she's in a more controlled environment. Exactly. Yeah, she's got a schedule, and she really she really actually does have a schedule that we try to keep her on. She eats at 8 a.m., and she eats at 2 p.m., and she eats at 8 p.m., and in between, we have scheduled uh, training practices with her, either here at the zoo or over at UC. And she, she keeps to a schedule for sure. We, we take her around the zoo all the time. We were just up here visiting Angela the other day with her and letting her get to know um, all these different areas. It just helps with her resiliency. Now, as she gets older and she, she graduates and she's older than 18, are you going to let her date? Is she going to get a boyfriend? Will she have babies of her own? Um, I can't say that will never happen like my own daughter, but I hope (laughs) not to rush it. (laughs) She's just a wee baby still. I know we don't like to think about it. You know, they're still little and and Coomer, Coomer has a little girl himself. So it's, you know, he doesn't want to, he's like, no, she's not dating and never, ever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm not. (laughs) There is. Not a, um, for the Palawan. So Lucy, that brings up an important point. Lucy, um, our retired ambassador, she is part of the 
Association of Zoos and Aquariums Species Survival Plans. Uh, so there's a specific group of people that work really hard to manage uh, the population that's in human care. And Lucy is a part of that. Uh, Lucille's subspecies has not been configured into an SSP yet. So currently she would not have even the remote possibility of a breeding recommendation until that comes into play or if we have an agreement with another zoo. That is the stuff that we don't ever learn about, I guess, in, in the public. So it's interesting <laughs> to hear how you're navigating those types of things, species-specific, but also, I guess, the relationships between different zoos. For sure. the It's, it's very complicated um, taking care of animals, and it's definitely a profession that I think has become just – it's just grown and expanded over the last few years or many years, several years. It's just, it's, there's just so much going on that there's no level of animal keeper, animal care professional that is not an actual professional. Everyone is, you know, required to have degrees and have experience and have all this knowledge and ambition of conservation. It's, it's not just picking up poop anymore. <laughs> That's, no, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear there's some professionalism in it and that the, there's expertise behind the scenes. Well, I loved learning about Lucille, about Lucy. Is it okay if we open this up to try and ask you some maybe rapid fire questions about the zoo at large? Oh, golly. Yeah, we're going to surprise you a little bit here. And you're just, these will not be too difficult. And then at the end of the podcast, we ask every guest we have, you personally, three very hard-hitting Cincinnati-focused questions. So I'll I'll give yourself some time to mentally prepare for that. Okay. Is there there an animal at the zoo or an exhibit at the zoo when, because I think you you specialize, right? You have different groups that you're working with. Yes. What's the, like, the primo gig at the Cincinnati Zoo? What's the animal or the group of animals that folks just love working with because of how, how just how amazing they are on a day-to-day basis? I mean, obviously the ambassadors, right? <laughs> right? Obviously Lucille and Lucy are the best. Um, I, but I guarantee any other one of my colleagues that was in here would be saying, uh, no, it's the rhinos, it's Fiona, it's the big cats. Um, that's what is so wonderful about our zoo is that we have so many people that work here that are so passionate and just care deeply for the animals that they see every day. Is there an animal that is just known as being maybe like the grumpiest animal of the Cincinnati Zoo? A little bit, a little bit ornery. You don't know what you're going to get, uh, day in, day out. In my household, it's Conrad the dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know of too many grumpy animals. Um, or just an enigma, you know? Not necessarily grumpy. They're just kind of... Uh, some days uh, you wake up again. and they, they're, all, they're all about the social aspect of it. And other days, eh, I, okay, you're here. 
I mean, um, there every I like I could think of an instance with almost any animal at the zoo like that. Um, I think about seeing um, some of Angela's posts recently on Instagram about um, the gorilla babies right now and the youngsters and all their shenanigans and they're just amazing to watch. I mean, they're, they're just fabulous. And of course, Fiona has her friends that come from far and wide to visit her. She's still sassy as ever and amazing and just like her own like worshipped being. <laughs> I've always been amazed. So Fiona's amazing. I love Fiona. My kids love Fiona. Kendi never got the the type of exposure and coverage and just nobody took Thank the candy. I'm all about candy, the rhino. Thank you. Angela and I were just saying that that candy got the short end of the stick on that one. Like Fiona has been the bright star for the past 3 years as she should be, <laughs> but we're really hoping she shares the spotlight soon. <laughs> no, it's younger sibling, younger younger sibling syndrome there. <laughs> Exactly. Are there any new? So are there? Oh, go uh, yeah, go ahead, Omer. Oh yeah, you talking about grumpiest animals? Is there just one animal who's never grumpy? Who's just always like, "Oh my God, you're here! I love you." Yeah, I, I think, and this is like probably besides Fiona, one of the most beloved animals at our zoo by every person. Me, like cat keepers, primate keepers, everybody. It's my, she is just, oh, I don't know. You just want to go give her the biggest bear hug. She's so amazing. We don't, but she's amazing. Can you say the name one more time? Cause this, it cut out there for a second. Just who that, what, who, which animal you were talking about? My tie, the Asian elephant. Oh, my tie, the Asian elephant. Yes. I buy it. <laughs> Everyone. She's awesome. She, she's I don't know. Her tail's always swishing back and forth, and she just seems happy as can be. I'm gonna go a little bit specific here, and it, it might be a challenging question because I don't, you know, you, since you work primarily with the ambassador animals, but Ooh, yeah, a few, a few weeks, a few weeks back, I know we're putting the full court press here. Uh, a few weeks back, I'm at the zoo, and it's one of these random 60 degree days, and I'm walking through Africa. So I, I visit the lions first, and they ended up moving into the center of their exhibit. And for anyone who's been at the zoo, it's essentially like a group of rocks, and it's a little bit elevated compared to the rest of where they they have they live. Um, next to the lion exhibit, though, is uh, I'm going to call it the Pride Lands, where you've got pe uh, ostriches, uh, some vultures, a few different like gazelles. I don't know the technical name. I'm going to say gazelle. They have they're the spiral horns on their head. Gazelles? They're the kudu. The kudu. kudu. Two, two of the kudu appeared to spot the lions resting on their rocks. And the lions, while their faces were looking at them, there was an actual standoff where neither party moved. The kudu stood there as if they were trying to intimidate the lion for a good 20 minutes. What's, what's going on there? Are they... Is there, they can see each other, right? There's actually like uh, interactions happening. Yes, a hundred percent. And that is one thing about the Cincinnati Zoo that is 
amazing that you were able to experience an exhibit that was designed exactly for that. Uh, we would love all of our guests to see natural behaviors from all of our animals. That's our number one thing for their welfare, for guests to understand them better. And obviously we can't have all the carnivores and herbivores living together. Um, we'd very quickly just have carnivores. <laughs> so um, be, being able to design uh, a habitat like that, that allows them to experience um, even a little bit of stress, that's okay, a little bit of stress here and there, and have that, that natural reaction to each other is one of the best things about our zoo that we're able to to accomplish that that's that's a great i'm i'm excited that you got to see that that's awesome yeah, it was it was fantastic the kudus were actually making noises like yelping at the lions <laughs> i was uh i was blown away i i thought maybe this is just what happens when a kudus you know uh in human care for too long they get they get a little bold they get a little ambitious <laughs> and uh, not realizing who they're actually up against oh yeah so are there any new species or exhibits that are coming to the zoo in 2020 that folks should keep on their radar? Yeah, for sure. We're opening Rue Valley this summer, and that's going to be our little Australian walkabout as well. It's not going to be little. It's going to be pretty big uh, with red and gray kangaroos. Little penguins are going to move down there. They have a brand new exhibit they're going to get, and it's going to be spectacular. And is that coming in the spring? I think it's slated for midsummer right now. Okay, nice. Sorry for interrupting. No, Go that's ahead. okay. There'll be a. Ro I was saying there'll be a ropes course that is um, kind of in conjunction slash next to it, and um, that'll be really great too. I've seen it going up recently, and it's amazing. Well, to get a little bit personal on the podcast, my wife is from Australia, so I look forward to to getting her to the Cincinnati Zoo this summer. To maybe oh man, just, you'll a little, have to little taste let of us. What her feedback is. <laughs> well, Hummer, should we get to the uh, should we get to the personal questions about Cincinnati here, or do you have any last zoo hard hitting questions for Sarah? I'm going to make her choose, Sarah. I'm gonna, I have to make you choose. If you had to choose one, only one. <laughs> Your favorite animal. Everyone everyone has a favorite animal though, right? It doesn't it's not to knock any other animals. It's not saying that this Yeah, there's so you know, many I love bad. animals just, too. You know. There's amazing animals in the world, <laughs> but there's one that everybody usually gravitates to for their okay, personal. So culture. there's one that I like if he just sniffles a tiny bit or anything. I call the vets immediately. It is our lop-eared rabbit, Harvey. He's amazing. He touches children's lives every day, and you cannot walk away from him feeling unhappy. He is the greatest. And is he in the children's zoo? Is he in that area? He's part of the ambassador animal, so he actually okay. goes out to schools, and he does classes at the zoo and things like that. So you can't see him necessarily every single day. But he's he's precious. He said it's Harvey the lobbed ear. Is that is that what you said? The lobbed eared rabbit? Lop. A lop. lop ear rabbit. 
So we dedicate a podcast to former Bearcats at the end of it. So I think this time we're going to do things a little different, and we're going to dedicate this podcast to Harvey. Yes. I think we should. He's going to be so excited. I think it's appropriate. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Hey, you answered the tough hitting question. We got it. We got it. it. <laughs> so Sarah, at this point, when with every guest we have, we like to ask them three particular questions about just Cincinnati focused questions. And I'm gonna go ahead and start with the first one. Skyline or Gold Star? Skyline, obviously. It's undefeated. It really undefeated. Is. <laughs> it's undefeated? Good. Thank goodness. You've joined uh, Dermar Johnson, Leonard Stokes, and now yourself is the, uh, and maybe even another one too. I think we, I mean, we actually, like Justin Williams, we let him skirt that question <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Oh, you know what? Justin Williams. Yeah. He went Skyline, but he also he said went he, Skyline, yeah. but then he went like, he went Pleasant Ridge Chili. But you made the right choice. It's, it's Skyline yes. all day. And, and it's, it's in particular, it's the Clifton Skyline. That Skyline just tastes better than every other Skyline in the city. And I, I maintain it's true. Yeah, when you're at, you're in the heart of it all, that's right. So the second question, so the Cincinnati Zoo being located in Clifton, if you and your coworkers were going out for a happy hour after work to drink a Coca-Cola, sure. where would you go? Um, we usually will either go up to the Cactus Pear. Ooh, or, love that place. Um, I think Taste of Belgium. We've nice. hit up for, of course. I mean, if we were going to, yeah, just get a soda, maybe Skyline. <laughs> <laughs> or a pop, whatever think... we get here in Cincinnati. <laughs> right. We were trying, we were keeping that question kid-friendly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think cactus pears are go-to for sure. We're big margarita fans. <laughs> yeah, so I, when I lived in Clifton, I lived on the other side of it on Bishop. Yeah. And then I think my wife lived like two houses down from it. She's she's in the doorway shaking her head. <laughs> so the final the final Cincinnati focus question here would be hardest question we have. Your f- your favorite flavor of Grater's ice cream. I know I'm supposed to say raspberry chip, but it is actually the lemon sorbet. Nice. That is a nice call. I only recently tried that and it is amazing. Easily the best sorbet they have. It it's so light, you feel like you just should eat the whole pint, right? <laughs> and maybe maybe two, maybe two pints. Or maybe two, exactly. Coomer self admitted when he goes to the grocery store <laughs> and gets a pint, it's not expected to last two days, three days, four days. It's expected to last about an hour, yeah. from the time that he buys it to the time it takes him to cook dinner to the time <laughs> he opens it. That's an hour. Well, yeah, as, you grow up as a kid and there's just when you, you do certain things and you just think they're normal. Right. And one thing I thought was normal going into like age 30 was that you would eat an entire pint of ice cream. And the first time I did that in front of my now wife, she looked at me and was absolutely disgusted with what I had just done. Uh, and that's when I learned that not everybody eats an entire pint of ice cream in one sitting every single time they eat ice cream. Some of us do. Right. <laughs> Well, Sarah, we really appreciate you joining the podcast today to talk about Lucille, Lucy, Bearcats in general, and also the Cincinnati Zoo. I want to make a personal plug. Uh, My family has Cincinnati Zoo memberships. It is easily the best investment you can make if you live in the city of Cincinnati. Just an incredible time, an amazing way to spend uh, a Saturday, Sunday, or any day of the week. So thank you very much for joining us and, and sharing your wealth of knowledge about Bearcats. 
And and for all, we do have some listeners that, yeah. that are in the tri-state area. We have them in Michigan. We have them in Pennsylvania. We even have some in New York. If you're planning on a summer trip and you're going to Cincinnati, you're just coming home, you're doing whatever, you're involving something, stop by the Cincinnati Zoo. It's going to be one of the best stops you'll make on your vacation. Absolutely. All right, Sarah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.